behaved is ingenious as far as I'm concerned and he's a songwriter and um, he does uh, radio shows with uh, uh, an idiot thank you for that Billy best of luck Hello there, this is Barry from Watford and you are listening to the Maggie Bonehead Show live on crmk.co.uk every Wednesday from 10pm till midnight. Don't forget to follow the Maggie Bonehead Radio Show on Mixcloud hosted by Billy Hayes and Dan Rayner but above all, don't forget to pay me for this promotion, please. Thank you. You ain't got nowhere to play. You ain't got nowhere to play. Play football out here. Right. The dangerous things. And then uh, all the old bags open the window. And they'll go, get away from my phone car. Billy Hayes is a genius as far as I'm concerned. Don't you think you call me dirt, you'll get back in the pink Nero. Go on, you go home. Get your haircut. Go on, get home. Bazinga. I don't know really where to start. Billy Hayes is a genius as far as I'm concerned. Independent and tough, their confidence and pattern made this bunch of awful dodgers a good living. It's like being in the Roman days. He drives a jag and it's just... He annoys you sometimes, but then again... But you, you do know he's one of your own, like, he's lifted, he lifts and he's damn, he's all right. You know, he, he knows what the score is. Uh, I don't know really where to start. Shake it up. Billy Hayes is a genius, as far as I'm concerned. People, even the kids leaving school, they know they ain't got no future. And the only thing the people that do is like either form a band or get into something that's a bit illegal or just go out straight into illegal things like, I mean, like thieving and robbing and things like that. You can understand why people do it. I'm not racist or I'm not a bigot or nothing. Have you wiped yourself? I mean, they was all doing silly things, weren't they? Like, jacking out the window, like, willies to girls, like, and all it. It's silly, like, you know, so... What's a punch shot mean? Well, out of order. What was that noise? And at first it was just me and Danny on it. And then once we got on it, we decided, like, all the rest of the geezers on the van were a bit sort of mugs, like we couldn't really have a laugh at them. And all the others were just muggy boneheads anyway, like, you know. Billy Hayes is a genius, as far as I'm concerned. Genius. Genius. Billy Hayes is a genius, as far as I'm concerned. He's a songwriter. And um, he does uh, radio shows with uh, uh, an idiot.
and good evening. Welcome to the Muggy Bonehead Show. It's Wednesday night, it's just after 10 o'clock, particularly long intro to give us a chance. There's a kettle boiling in the background for the first time since never for us. Daniel, are you here? Daniel is not here. This is a robot. Anyway, good evening. He's been an idiot. Um, this is an AI. Good evening. Uh, I think Kevin Slaymaker might be listening tonight. Who? Kevin Slaymaker, who does the Between Two Worlds show on Must Monday, be busy between this time 8 of, and 11. He's going to be busy this time of year soon. <coughs> does three hours. Slaymaker? No, does he do... Yeah, he does. Does, uh, does three hours. Of what? Prog rock. Oh, right. <laughs> because every song's about 37 minutes long, I assume. Anyway, we connected a little bit tonight on Facebook, and uh, it's um, it's weird because we don't because of the way it's set up. And I did make this point to the guys that um, it's hard to listen to it because I'm always driving out and about, so I don't get to listen to the, a lot of the shows on this uh, station. And I know there are some good ones, some good ones, a lot of good ones. They're all brilliant. They're all amazing. Anyway, um, tonight um, I wanted to. Uh, sort of explore truth and honesty and lies and how we are you know we use lies for different means some people use them vindictively some people use them kind of cheekily some people use them to save people's feelings some people use them because they kind of get some sort of kick out of it some people use them you know why do we lie why do we lie and most importantly why do we lie to ourselves you know those kind of coping mechanisms that we that we have. Anyway, the whole thing that brought it about for me, I don't know what Daniel's doing. He's not talking. He's just sitting there scribbling away. I am a robot. Oh man, don't play, don't do that all night though. Obviously. What? Um, beep, and uh, beep. So the reason I it sort of brought it up in my mind is um, I've been doing this little project with my daughter, and we played the song before. I might play it again tonight. We'll see. And it's a cover version of uh, Elvis Costello's What's So Funny About Peace, Love and Understanding. So it's got a quite a poignant message. The way she sings it, it's got, you know, it's got, got some weight to it because, well, of, you know... She does it in a ragga style, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. yeah, one time. Yeah. Um, so, well, you know, it's got, there's an innocence to it. There's a, there's a, there's a child, obviously a childlike quality to it. A anyway, that's been bullied to sing this. Never, never missing an opportunity to somehow attempt to get some coverage to try and give me some YouTube traffic to set my YouTubing career off to a flying start, I decided to manipulate the message of this. As soon as I heard it, I thought, that'd have a great video. I could get some pictures of kids in war-torn countries crying, edit it in a really heartfelt way. You know, you see these videos all the time, they get gazillion views. And I've got a decent version of a song. Wait a minute, none of them have got gazillion views. Whatever. Whatever. Gangbang style. (laughs) <laughs> it's close. I've heard it's close. Anyway, so I was thinking to myself, well, is that disingenuous to do that? And of course it is. I mean, everybody does that. You know, worse, hang on. Is it disingenuous of me to know that 70... There's 24... I 100% watched that video. Some of them made me cry. Which video? When I was editing them together. These kids of these... Ref, the videos of these refugees. I'm putting it in this video and I'm watching it. And I'm in tears. There's one little girl. Well, I think you would Just... Be. God, she's smiling. She's in this horrific condition. Her house has been built at a bomb. The parents have been killed in the war. And she's talking about it with a smile on her face. She probably killed him. She's probably like a psychopath or something. Jesus. The way she's smiling. No. But she is. She's got this kind of just... And then this one bit, he asks her a question, and she just puts her head down and breaks down, puts her hand in the red. And I'm in tears. So 
I 100% believe in the message. I love it. You know, I, I, but I have manipulated that footage together with the purpose, the specific purpose to make people cry and to get as much exposure out of it as I possibly can. So now, is that bad? I've, I've, you know, a lot of things do that on telly. <clears throat> Maybe I'm overthinking it, but I just—it it just made me think, you know, like We're being honest with yourself that you have conflicting motives. Yeah. Well, I guess that's there. Yeah, I suppose that's fair enough. At least I've, I'm recognising it and not being vindictive about it. Or anyway, so I put this video together last night. It got played uh, on Ian Lee's show, which I totally wasn't expecting. I sent him a message and asked him if he would retweet the link. And um, he played it within about ten minutes of me sending the message. Which so I was thought, I, I thought, because I was listening to the show, I thought I'd done a, a pocket uh, song pick by accident because I was listening to the Elise show. And then suddenly that song came. I was like, "Oh no, what's happened? The show stops." And I thought, "Hang on a minute, I think this is on, it's on the show." And it was. It was on the show. I had it as well. I felt a bit emotional. I thought, That's lovely. It's really nice. I'm really pleased. It's good. Ah. Uh, so it was good. So with regards to lies, I, I'm I'm a big fan of a cheeky lie. I like no no it's all right mate no no worries yeah yeah no problem see you later down the road <coughs> sold the dodgy bike. I mean it's 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 I, just no maybe that's a bad example. The example I'm trying to make you is sold a dodgy bike. No, I haven't. But I've been sold a dodgy bike actually by a really well-to-do posh family. I went round to their house, a beautiful mansion of a place. He would not part. I asked it. I said, oh, he'd take 60 quid for it. I think it was like 75 quid or something. And he wouldn't part from 75. He wouldn't even meet me in the middle. He was just like... That's the price. And I drove away. And the fucking... The flipping... The flipping... <laughs> got a little bit relaxed there. I do apologise if anything slipped out You well I wish we had a dump button. Wouldn't it be great? Because then we just... You'd just have that little bit of freedom, wouldn't you? Sorry about that. Freedom if anybody heard the utterings of a, of a bad word. Um... Yeah, I like the I like the cheek I, like I like the cheeky lies, but it's the it's the ones it's the ones that have got weight behind them. Where particularly when people go out of their way to get somebody else, say the sack, or get somebody else into trouble, grassing is a is a is a is a, is a no no. It's a no no for most people. It's not just a not grass. So, unless if someone's done something really a horrible. snitch. They need justice. There's a, it's a weird mentality. Yes, 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 snitch. yes. That's the thing. It's snitching. It's the. It's the. the no, I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about sort of don't grass on your mates if he's murdered someone and he's like wiped out an entire family. Oh, don't grass. I'm not talking about that. Good. I'm talking about um, you know. No. Oh, did you know that um, he occasionally does the odd cash job? I mean, I don't know anybody that does that, but you picture those sorts of people that just you know. You're earning, are you earning an extra hundred quid a week just because, you know, it's a little bit handy for you and you get someone that finds out and decides to phone the Inland Revenue? I mean, that, to me, is... You are... You're gone. You are... Oh, you come anywhere near that kind of kind of attitude, you're gone. There's no way I'm having you in my life. Not because I'm worried about you, but it's just that... Anybody that's willing to do that go to another human way. being where they go out of their way to stop something... I'm not talking about... Stealing from a shop—that to be—I wouldn't grasp for that, but I know people that would, and I don't necessarily have a thing against them. It's just—I don't know. There's certain things. Well, they don't uh, have to be big things. It's maybe it's the honourable thieve type, type of mentality, you know. The the, the oh, ain't earning no one, you know. Maybe it's a little bit of that, but it's still—I just—I'm I'm not. Yeah, anybody that goes out of their way, I've cut many. I've cut, <laughs> cut my own brother-in-law out for a while. I'm not going to go into it, <laughs> <laughs> but like that, it was—you know—it was that. 
it's that level like it's that in me that I, I'm quite prepared to potentially cause a massive well, like, friction uh, there's a, the thing Overshare, we're going to get into later about how society sort of formed itself a long time ago it was a thing <coughs> that a particular set of actions caused us to be able to have the group mentality that we all work together so there's trust built and everyone relies on each other's lives and when that, when there was someone that wouldn't, hey, when someone in the group that wouldn't behave like that, they were immediately spotted and ostracised and kicked out and maybe even killed. And you couldn't, you couldn't behave out of sync with everyone around you. Yeah. In certain times, and now there's an alien that's in us, the lie that's corrupted that. It was. A big event, the first line, the first ability to sort of uh, well, trick someone with your words. Yeah, but but yeah, but this been massive the, tool, a weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, politics is built out of that ability now to not say what is happened. What has happened? Imagine if we just reported back everything, like we never thought about lying. We just always told the truth, even if we knew it get us into trouble. We just dealt with consequences. Yeah, the, the invention of lying didn't do what I'd hoped it would do with that. That that thought process you know the idea of that film yeah uh the way you know they they tried to portray it that nobody lies and people were just being blatantly rude yeah. it was like there was no it was too it was kind of too much um but the concept of the lie never existing yeah up to this point and you know we didn't know what it you know how did it form it's mad well i th- i think i know how it formed i think it comes from the aspect of dog eat dog world you know when you're fighting for when you're fighting for the carcass of an animal or whatever it is you're doing is like a primitive how form would of you yourself know that you could lie before you it's ever happened well the point is is so if you if you if you develop a certain level of intelligence if you're an animal right and there's a and there's a car let's just say you've, you've got this kill right and not you can't all finish it in the first sitting or whatever and it has to be at the next day well memory serves you that last time that happened you went off and hid uh, you went off and went to sleep you came back and you realised that somebody had nicked some of the stuff well I'm not having that so then it becomes this fight it's like there's a because somebody somebody realises that actually the second time I didn't get as much so if I take a little bit more I'll be alright for the next week to survive well that's not in, that's not needed anymore it must have come so out so it becomes the social it must have come out of scarcity yeah, maybe, but it's worse. It's survival because because the 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 fact of the matter is, I'm sure uh, there are animals that would naturally die of starvation because they didn't get that far, that extra bit of meat that kept them going for another day to keep their bit going. Yeah, so, the slyest and the most, you know, sometimes the the you know, it's not necessarily about the strongest. It's sometimes about the one that. Um, like the rat that wins the race in the Chinese uh, New Year. Opera. <laughs> <laughs> We've not been to that. Uh, but, you know, anyway, <laughs> when it, it it's, it's the vindictive lies. I like the cheeky lies. I like the, I like the, not that I was any, not that I really used it, like not in the Lothario kind of way, but that, you know, telling a girl what you want, what you know she wants to hear. Just what, to, what do you want to hear? Oh no, yeah, oh yeah, uh, just to grin with everything they say and telling them they look nice. <laughs> that's what you're doing, it. Yeah, that's called marriage. Some quite 
small, but she was all just right. I had to try to satisfy this customised appetizer, swing wing, big hip queen. I said your teasy dipping, lipsy sipping could be slipping me a dripping cold, steam clean. And she said, Don't try to get on top of me, baby, cause you know that you won't succeed. Yeah, my baby said, I think you're very, very nice indeed And she still said Oh, no, no Well, I thought I'd try and turn her on with a bit of charm You know, I'm pretty good with words I bought her a few more drinks Tried to get her a bit more loosened up And then I turned around and looked soulfully at her And I said Oh, lovely lady Glossy lady, you're my centerfold magazine dream. You are my elegant, edible, oh so very bedible, dignified, soft ice cream. I said you're hot and hazy, sensuously lazy. I'm a fish in your black net stream. I'm on my hands and knees, won't you join me please? To my surprise, she turned and screamed. A one, two, three, four. Don't try to get on top of me, baby, cause you know that you won't succeed. My baby said, no, no, no. And I said, don't you try to be stopping me, babe. I think you're very, very nice indeed. And she still said,
CRMK Listen to the radio Night and day It's gonna record That we will play Hip 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 hooray Oh The sweet symphony I've Got myself some knees They Squeak every time I sneeze I'm flying on bumblebees Bumblebees, yeah Yeah, in the sky With my bumblebees I fly Like a cat on the sky Of a little toker try Where bid ya? Yeah, yeah Honk, honk, honk be days In the long distance lorry Driving symphony of sneezes On my sneezes Like GG Jesus Yippee! I'm high as a kite. Why? Are you flying on your bike? <clears throat> this show is brought to you by... Coffee. Coffee! With B.A. Baracus oil in it. It is very strong. I don't often get a high from coffee. It doesn't often... Uh, Stimulate your snips. Doesn't get me, doesn't get me buzzing, but I actually feel like... <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyway... Super high, super high, high, stupid, stupid high, super high, super high, super high, super high, super 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 on 07790385385. Some of you listening will know the number, some of you won't. 07790385385. But your mic's going back up now. Stop it. Stop it. <coughs> um, I've got 10 minutes to live. Eh? What? Nothing? You can die anytime. I can just do that. And you're dead. Um. So, yeah, that's what we want. I will, you, you, you must know somebody that. Lies absolutely just every word is just complete and utter rubbish. Well, because we, yeah. those people, then they can't be helped. That's what they do. 
That's their that whatever their defense mechanism is, whatever it is, whatever whether it's a trauma, whether it's nurture, whether it's nature, whether it's both, whatever's happened in their life has caused them to feel the need to lie about everything, whether it's telling you how brilliant they are or what great things they've done constantly that are rubbish, that are not true. Boasters, you know. Whether it's sitting oh there, yeah, I've got one of them sitting in a room for the people. I'm going to make me better than I am by telling a story that they might find out not to be true, and forever they'll think I'm a stupid prattar. But there are there are those that are so such liars that even when they get caught out, it's just it's just a it's just a it's just a miss. You know, they get a lot of hits. Well, they feel they've got away with it, and they've lied, and they've told us. And every now and again, they'll get caught out. <clears throat> they say, "Oh well, yeah, well, you know, it's just what it is. What it is, you know." They've got no, there's no. Sh- oh no, no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> nah, you got it wrong. Nah, it's messy with you. Yeah, good joke. Way, oh, you little rascal. Way, way, rubbish. Yeah, those people are <laughs> mental. For, for sure, sure, for reasons. Yeah. So it's snapped in the red. What about you? Me. Yeah. What's the what's been what okay, give us a lie that you can think of that you're that you're embarrassed that you told at the time and that, you know, you wish you hadn't said or you know, or you've never you've never revealed until this moment that you wasn't lying, that you was lying, that you were lying. What did I lie about? What's it I'm trying to think when I've got bright red on the face, caught out lying. I never did that. That wasn't me. Uh did I know lies? Pies? What did I do with pies? What did I lie about? My age. I once... No, I didn't never know about my age. Not people do. Do you know what? I'm quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> really am. I've, I'm tortured by honesty. I love lying. I love it. I love it when it's... Yeah, like exactly what I said. When it's not vindictive. I, in fact... It makes you feel sick, You it? know that bloke who... Um, I'm sure there must be deeper triggers, but you know that bloke who who detects lying in people? Yeah. Uh, I.e. did the McCanns, the American guy. Yeah. And he kind of came to the conclusion. Forensic murder. Anyway, <clears throat> I've found I get really nervous. If, I've, if I'm telling a true story that's a little bit out there that's definitely happened, saw it in my own eyes and everything, mate, and I get the slightest inkling that it seems so outlandish that somebody doesn't believe me. I start getting paranoid and then like sweating and like getting a dry mouth when I'm trying to tell the story because I think they're they're cottoning on to something that actually happened. They're cottoning on to something I'm lying about something that I'm not lying about. And I find that when I'm in full flow and a lie, no, no, it's, it's no, it's fine. That's no problem. That rolls off the tongue. If I'm telling the truth and I him. get the I get the impression that someone so I wonder whether he would see that. Who? Well the bloke yeah, who read you like a book. You no, know, I would be sweating, I'd be going uh, but yeah, no, it, I, honestly I swear to you it definitely happened. You know? So you've got like reverse guilt? Yeah, uh yeah. Guilt what? Guilt for actually witnessing something. Why oh, would I feel guilt oh, that? it might be that your life's so amazing that everything sounds like a lie. Oh, wouldn't that be great if it yeah. was? I sometimes think that when I tell people all my stories, like oh, I sound like a liar. I can tell you my most, I can tell you my most outlandish story that uh, that is absolutely the truth. It just sounds like utter rubbish every time I tell it. I never get any good at telling. Would it. I be amazed? Um, oh, yeah, you might be amazed. It's just a weird coincidence of madness. It's not you and Tommy Robinson? No, it's not, <laughs> it's not me. Although that was quite strange, but no, it's not that. Um, um, you got to elaborate on that on a little bit. What? Well, we can't just leave it that, I, that I've had been liaising with Tommy Robinson. You were, co- you were coaching him, weren't you? On uh, race, on life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was just I was just getting some tips. 
He happened to be at a wedding that I was at, and I did have some one-to-one conversation with him. But him, uh, Billy was, was the Hitler impressionist that came it, on stage. It was just before <coughs> he really blew up as being... I mean, I think at this point he'd already been the leader of the EDL, but I didn't know anything about him. You can't go into this story, though. No, I can't tell the story, but I can at least get, I can at least get to the, to the end. Billy wasn't a baddie in it. That's I was so, Two weeks previously, right, I was having a conversation with a... a, a Pretty racist bloke, right? Quite, quite openly racist bloke. Not, oh I'm God. not racist, but no, I am that, racist. That, but yeah, that, that, no, no. not a, not a neo-Nazi, no, just no. a bloke who's. He would say, "I'm, not, I am racist, but yeah, yeah. I do like curries." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's so many holes in the argument when you talk to him. Like he's not thought it through. He's just been conditioned into an area was where saying catch him with that's the just what you think. Catch you know what I mean? You, 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 you start dragging joke. it out of him, and he's got. Well, yeah, I know what you're saying, but you holes know in the argument. Yeah, catch. he was going to catch everyone with nets that he didn't like. Yeah, because there's holes in his argument. Yeah, I'll listen back to that <laughs> on the podcast. Hopefully, it'll be funny then. I <laughs> <laughs> got the tickle coughs. I anyway, was ill last week, wasn't I? So I, I, he, I was chatting to this bloke. We was having this conversation. We were having a bit of an argument, and I was, you know, wiping the floor of him. He probably thought he was wiping the floor of me, but he wasn't. Anyway, and he said to me, "All right," he said, "Do me a favour, then." He said, "Watch this video." I was like, right, what is it? He said, it's a video of... It's a a caravan. It's a video of Tommy Robinson at uh, the Oxford uh, Debating Society or whatever it is. It's like a building, obviously, within Oxford University and where people go up and do speeches. I've seen a few of the videos on YouTube. It's a good one with an SAS bloke. You've seen that? No. Former SAS. That'd be good. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Slaughter in the army, just saying how disgusting it is. Oh, maybe not. Like, like rotten inside. It's amazing. Anyway, the... um, And I'm not doing people down. I'm just... It was just... It was just interesting to see somebody from the inside that was just like, you know, no, witness of the same. No, of course. he had a bad, bad experience, witnessed a lot of things that he didn't agree with, yeah. and, you know, sort of putting pain to it. Anyway, so Tommy, Tommy Robinson was what doing this really, speech. What, what, but he was really saying was, if anyone's in the army, please don't beat me up. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's a very touchy subject. People think you're not, you're not respecting the troops just because, you know, you might you don't possibly question. Um, a, a, a time when they didn't behave themselves, you know. Well, you might question that they're not. You can't question. Well. You don't support the troops. Yes, I do. Just not when the dicks. The troops. Score a goal. Anyway, the so troops. the, the uh, so the uh, so he's going to be. Look, just watch this video, <coughs> and it was basically Tommy Robinson complaining about the fact that his. Uh, the, 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 what he considered to be the indigenous people of Luton were being pushed out by Muslims, the, essentially. The, the tribe of Luton. And the problem is, the problem is, and this out. is, I don't want to go too far into this, but it is an important thing for me, is that he had a very articulate way of putting it across. There were aspects of what he was saying that you couldn't argue with, right? You couldn't argue with the fact that there, that there were people that were born in a certain area that felt like they were being pushed out because there is always going to be that divide regardless, you know? It's, it doesn't always work. The integration doesn't always work. People do tend to stick to their own. That's just natural, right? You can't really... Well, it was natural. It's whether the attitudes when that group over there, they've got their own area and they've got their own area, it's whether, you know, it's a, it's a lot deeper than that. However, so he was making points and... and if you don't just stand at him and go, you're, although I totally agree that he is a racist scumbag, right? But if your point is that you're just going to shout and shout and shout because... But why not take those aspects and say, well, actually, I can see why you feel a bit disenfranchised. Let's educate each other about that so that we can come to an agreement on working it out. Not, you know, just fighting and just saying... Yeah. The, you- now, obviously... He is very extreme, and obviously his most extreme views that he's a little bit careful about how he puts gets them out there. 
It's obvious. <laughs> um, you know. So anyway. Two weeks later, after watching that video, and although I didn't, you know, I didn't agree with him at all, I just watched it and I just thought, of all the spokespeople, he's young, he represents that group of people, he's articulate, he puts his point across. No wonder he's got a big following, right? He's, he's a good-looking young lad, do you know what I mean? Like, he's got charisma and whatever else. So I understand it, totally understand it. Um, anyway, I hate him. He's horrible, he's horrible, he's a horrible man, I'm just saying. Um, but the point was, two weeks after watching that video, he happened to be at a wedding that I was at. And the whole reason I've gone through that whole long-winded story is just so that people didn't think that I'm not about with Tommy <laughs> Robinson. But, you know, there is more to that story, and I will never, ever tell it on the radio. But it's another day. Sorry about the coffee, actually, because uh, I have been doing it. But at least I haven't been hanging out. If I see you in person, you want to know that Tommy Robinson story, I've probably not got a lot of problems in telling you it. Yeah, let's him. just say it involves a pig, <laughs> David a Cameron, and <clears throat> Salvation Army. Anyway, um, so what? What now? Because you, you another you coffee? Even, you <laughs> Am I a bit chatty? Yeah. I, I would. I actually would want you to make me a coffee. Can we? Oh. Let's do the radio play. If you make it a coffee, tell me like Alfie to say. Yeah, perfect. do you want me to line up a song ready for when you're ready? No. Why would I be ready? Well, I'll, do you want me to put another one of mine on then? That's no, what I'm not saying. now. What what you, you uh, no, a cup of tea. Cue it up. So it's ready. There. I'll make a coffee. It's all queued up. I've just been prepared. We don't need to have this conversation. We'll have you can just go. We'll you can just go. Right. Put listen. Music on when we have the coffee. Listen. You, you could have just gone. Uh, yeah, chuck that one on when you're ready, or not yet, but chuck that one on. Chuck Instead, what? we've had to have oh, this barbecue. conversation live. You know, Live. we could have had this conversation between a song. All right, yeah. there's no need for it. Between Just that absolutely. Your no words. I will make you a coffee. Tell coffee. me what song you want, so I can do what I want to do the way I want to do it, please. Uh, I want. Can I pick any song? <laughs> if you must. Beauty School Dropout. Who's that? Frankie Valley. Oh, is it? That? It's not that one you played earlier, is it? Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Let's cue it out then. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> all right. I want to make you a cup of coffee. You tell me what you've got to say. Well, I was sort of thinking about, like, when I was younger and, like, growing up, trying to find out what I wanted to do and get into college and, you know, finding my interest in film and art and things like that. And and those things sort of disappeared after a while. You know, in my 30s, I kind of almost vanished for a bit. And... Like never quite hitting the the right spot, never quite treading the right path, always sort of stumbling and uh sometimes crashing into the waves, and life not quite flowing in the direction you want and uh, I kind of like not up until recently, I always felt a bit out of sorts I, you know I'm, I enjoy my job as a gardener, but it's not what I really want to be doing. I want to be doing something else. It's really hard. On your body guarded, it's tough, it's cold, you're outside a lot. But there's a lot of benefits to it as well. I am complaining, but it was only till recently where I thought of all that as a lie that I'd been a spectator rather than a participant. Precipitant. I, don't, I hadn't quite felt like participating, 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 participating. But yeah, I felt like a spectator. I felt like a liar. I felt like I'd been lying to who I was. Like, 
and recently I've changed the way I've I think about it, I feel like I'm actually in it, I'm participating, and I'm really got back in the art studio, really starting to paint loads of stuff and get creative, I've got an exhibition coming in March, and I'm really going for it, and I feel like, I feel different, I feel like I'm heading in that direction now, and before I never, I always felt like, that's what other people did, you know, the art world was for other people, and I'm just like enjoying being on the outside of it, but now I I want to step into it, I don't want to be a dropout, story sad to tell A teenage ne'er-do-well Most mixed up Non-delinquent Thanks so much for On the block Your future's so unclear now What's left of your career now Can't even get a trade in On your smile Beauty school dropout No graduation day for you Beauty school dropout your midterms and flunk shampoo Well at least you could have taken time To wash and clean your clothes up After spending all that gold I have The doctor fixed your nose up Baby get moving Why keep your feeble hopes alive What are you proving the dream but not the drive if you go for your diploma you could join a steno crew turn in your teens in coma go back to high school beauty school dropout hanging around the corner store beauty school dropout it's about time Score. Well, they couldn't teach you anything. You think you're such a looker, but no customer would go to you unless she was a hooker. Baby, don't sweat it. You're not cut out to hold a job. Better forget it. Once their hair done by a slob Now your bangs are curled Your lashes twirl Still the world is cruel Wipe off that angel face Go back to high school Baby, don't blow it Don't put my good advice to shame Baby, you know it Even dear Ivy say the same Now I've called the shot, get off the pot, I really gotta fly, gotta be going to that malt shop in the sky.
Daniel loves Sandy. Daniel loves Sandy. She was my first crush, Sandy was. Yes. Living in John. My first girlfriend in my mind. I used to like the other one. I used to like the um, the filthy one. Rizzo? Yeah. Yeah, I had a little thing for her when I was younger. Oh, Rizzo. But yeah, and, uh, the thing about like sending her back to high school, I think we kind of need to do that if we want to change. We need to go back to that energy we had when we were coming out of school and all the possibilities were out there for us and you just kind of harness that a bit don't you if you want to really I suppose change your life yeah you need a drive although <clears throat> I do uh, I prefer I sort of prefer what I'm doing now to what I was doing when I was leaving school as in I think the things that I'm trying to do and the things that I'm going for apart from the fact of the technology but yeah that mentality I know what you're saying that mentality of um you know the creative space in your head it's not more open the difficulty is or the the balance that you lose is that when you were at school you didn't have the experience and the life experience well now you've got both N- you have but you haven't got the freedom the la- you've got less freedom because when you're a kid when you <laughs> you're not paying bills yeah. and you're not you know you don't have to go to work all the time you know or you can be a student or you can alright I know it's not as straightforward as I understand but you know the point is you've got no nobody else to answer to apart from yourself which is when you're at your freest you would say yeah you suppose you can't, you can't always be like that but when you need it these women and kids they don't have to tie you down and <laughs> you have to do things around them you have to sort of pull your weight and stuff you can't just you can't just be like come home from work jump straight on the laptop done. and do exactly what you think yeah. you will for the rest of the evening without Acknowledging the children. A food arrive. More of that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I say yeah. So you, 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 what, what you gain, you lose. So what's better? I like the. I'm in no way comparing myself in any way whatsoever or anything like that. But the story behind Ricky Gervais and the fact that he wrote The Office when he was like 39. And that he just never did any. He was he bummed around virtually like he, he he was unemployed for a lot of his life, and he was married to Jane or whatever it was. And she was quite often. I think she was quite often the breadwinner at times. You know, he was he he didn't do a great deal all the time. He persisted, and I think um, he got a bit of a break on the eleven o'clock show, and then from yeah. then on. But like anyway, the point is is is. He, one of the times I heard him talking about that was that he said to Jane at one point, he had one of these moments, you know, sitting in his nice big mansion, and said, why didn't I do this earlier? <laughs> she said, because you couldn't. Yeah. And um, so, I, yeah, I just I like that, because I feel like there's always hope that I'm going to come up with something that's as good as The Office. <laughs> also, I think, like, if anything had uh, kicked off when I was younger, like, yeah. I just succeeded, I just think I'd have been a, t- a complete bell. Like, say if, I got, say if I'd... 
broken into the art world and I was 22 and I made money out of it oh yeah I would have been arrogant yeah yeah 100% I would have been an idiot yeah yeah I would have just not been who I am now I like who I am now I just need him to be like in his dream job yeah like I think I would have preferred the arrogant you, to be honest. Huh? You sound like more of a laugh. Who? Arrogant you. Arrogant you? Yeah. Is that, that <laughs> one of the field with the lambs? Yeah. Arrogant. No, that's arrogant. Arrogant isn't you? It? Oh, I don't know. Sheeps. Anyway, no. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I de- the, the, they were doing it at a younger age when you could just be completely. Oh, you know what my dream was, even at a really young age, sort of like from the age of probably when I started playing guitar. Did you dream you were asleep when you woke was up? That because you I, I'm a bit of a slob. I like to live, I like to be in a tidy environment, but quite often I will walk around the house, unt- leave a drawer open, drop something on the floor, and then a bit later on I'll look around and I think, ah. Oh, bit messy in here and then i'll tidy it up but the point is i don't i'm not a tight i don't stay tidy so i wish that i became so rich and powerful that for the rest of my life <coughs> i literally had somebody if ever i had a good idea write that down for me put that just <laughs> make sure make a log of that but we'll talk about that later if i drop something on the floor they pick it up and they put it you know within i'm not asking them to follow me around constantly but Every now and again, if I leave a room, just quickly pop in there and just oh, get it back that. to actually be. That's I love that where you could live in the most pristine conditions without having to be that person that is annoyingly anal about everything and has to have all their ducks in a row. I want to live in that environment where I can constantly mess it up. I pay someone to not get the hump about it and just do it. Pay them handsomely. That'd be amazing. That's that would be a contentment. That would be it. Or just tidy as it go. Nope. No way. No way. That would be amazing. Well, wishes and dreams, eh? Yeah. That would be... Oh, if anything that came after that is a complete bonus. And that is a God's honest truth. I've always thought that. I've always thought that. Just skipping into rooms, bouncing off walls, knocking picture frames <laughs> off the wall, being drunk... <coughs> Or whatever, Jesus. you know, just living, being able to like, that proper Keith Richards style, but without that sounds horrendous. No, no, and I'm I'm not talking about I'm, I'm not talking about drugged and drunk or anything like that. I'm just saying on those occasions when I am drunk and I have just knocked stuff over and left my plate out. When I wake up in the morning, it's gone, and I'm in a clean environment again, and I crack on with my life. That's what I love. That's responsibility for your actions. If ever I saw it, oh, I just I would be a total baby. Total baby, not a cry baby, just a baby. <laughs> not, oh, I won't be crying. I'm not, not, no, not, not pedo not or nothing. Baby. Um, yeah. Anyway, you're. Oh no, still got a little bit of time before Daniel's big moment. Well, it's not really that big. Moment. Yeah, you spent hours on it. I know you. No. Have. I know what you're like. But this is. Um, well, this thing I've been thinking about on this bit of uh, audio that is. Uh, he talks about. What shapes humans from the early sort of monkey humans? Anthropoclophilicus? Tyrannosaurus ape? Can I just say something? I'm looking at your edit. I'm looking at the wave on your edit. And whatever it is, is really quiet right up until I clearly what is must be the song. And it's super loud. Let's see what happens, eh? Not yet. Still got minutes. Carry on. Well, but he talks about the point where we use stones and from us using stones as weapons oh. society was formed and everything and it took all of us into another direction just for this one simple thing and our bodies are built to do this, This our natural body is built to chuck rocks and at one point that was our 
martial art that was our thing that helped us kill and uh i wonder if the phone is the next thing like that where it's going to completely adapt and send us it's, it's another stone in our hand and uh yeah i do wonder whether we're, we're at the next point but he's on his phone that was supposed to be the cue but never mind well, it's not ready yet oh all right um, the social leap. Yes. What's the social leap? I'll tell you all about it. Please do. Okay. So um, the story that I want to tell is basically how we got here, how we became human. And so that story begins about six or seven million years ago when our ancestors left the rainforest. And so the question is, why would they leave and how would they survive once they left? And, and that's what the social leap is. So it takes a second to get it all out there, okay? Yeah. All right. So here's the story. So if you look back about 7 million years, our ancestors and chimps, we had a common ancestor at about that point in time, 6 or 7 million years ago. And that common ancestor, we don't know exactly what it looked like, but it was, from all we can tell, it was awfully close to today's chimps. And so there, if you look at chimps today, you can get a pretty good sense of what life was like then. And chimps today are really interesting. They're basically at the top of the food chain in the rainforest. They're super fast up in the trees, super athletic, and... They, because they travel in groups, even amazing tree climbers like leopards won't try to attack them in trees. It's just they, it's, they're too dangerous too fast. But if you look at a chimp on the ground, it can't even lock its knees. It's this kind of cute little stumbling along thing. And then the question is, why would an animal that runs a show in the canopy leave the rainforest for the savanna? And then how would it survive once it did that? And, and that's, that's the story of this book and then how that manifests itself to where we are today. So... Really, my goal, I'm a psychologist. I want to understand why we are the way we are. And so in trying to figure that out, I said, well, let's take a look back all the way to our common ancestors and see some of the key events and how they might have had an influence on how we are today. So the first question is, why would we leave the trees, right? Here we are. We're dominant position. We're, we're food on the ground. Why would we ever take that risk? And the basic story there is the Great African Rift Valley. I'm not sure if you've you're familiar with it at all, but basically it runs down from um, up at the Red Sea down to the coast of Mozambique. And you can think of it like a geographic zipper. You know, all the world sits on these tectonic plates, and sometimes they crash into each other, like uh, how India is smashing into Asia and creates the Himalayas. Sometimes they literally tear apart. And Africa's tearing apart at the Great African Rift Valley. So that plate that has Somalia, Ethiopia, Tanzania, Kenya, that's moving off to the lower right. The rest of Africa's moving off to the upper left. And I got no, no idea why. It's been going on for quite a while. But one of the consequences of that is that the East Africa is starting to rise up slowly, bit by bit. And when it rises up, the rainforests dry out. And so basically what you have is a situation where our ancestors were on the east side of that rift valley. And it started to dry out. And now they're in a situation where they've got this great lifestyle. They're a dominant position. But now they're, pushed, they're forced out onto the ground increasingly more and more because there's more and more ground and less and less rainforest. And so how do they survive that? What do they do in order to make that work? And this is a what, – what period of time is this? How many millions of years ago? Six or seven. Six or seven. Does this coincide with the when, – when was the jump of the human brain size where it doubled? Oh, we'll get to that. So okay, it, it's a super interesting question about why mm. that happened as well. So basically, if you track us across the next three million years, how did our ancestors survive when they're basically chimpanzees on the open savanna? And you can get a hint of how they did it because there's one chimpanzee group that does live on the savanna in Senegal. And they, um, they show some differences between 
themselves and other chimps. They travel in slightly larger groups. They share more nicely with each other, which is interesting. That's kind of a human trait as well. And uh, they also avoid open space. Like, they're just kind of trying to stay near the trees as much as possible. And so... And if you look at other apes, they're not apes, but other primates that are on the savanna, like savanna baboons, they're only monkeys, so they're not as sharp as chimpanzees are. But they have a similar strategy, large groups to try to protect themselves and lots of eyes to look out for predators. And they do fine on the savanna. And so what I suspect happened is for the first few million years, basically what you've got is this chimp-like animal that's kind of skirting the edges of the savanna, nowhere near the top dominant position they used to be, and just kind of noodling around. And that takes... I suspect that takes us for about the first three, three and a half million years. And if you look at who we are then, we're Australopithecus afarensis. So it's, if you looked at one of them, you'd think it belongs in a zoo. It looks almost like a chimpanzee. And so a chimp brain, in answer to the first part of your question, is about 380 grams. And Australopithecus brain is about 450 grams. So three million years of evolution, and all we've got for it is 70 grams. So... Why do we get so smart? Why do we take off in the next few million years? And what is it that Australopithecus did that, that helped us survive? And, and why do I call that the social leap? That's mm. all kind of tied together. And the basic story is that by this point, Australopithecus has become bipedal. And we can talk about how that happened if you'd like. And so because they're bipedal, their waist is now stretched out. Their, um, their musculature, like if you look at chimpanzee pecs, they aim upward because, of course, chimps climb in all the time. Um, Australopithecus is more lateral like we are. We're basically completely lateral because things are side to side as far as we're concerned. It's harder to climb a tree, but it's a whole lot easier to do a lot of other things. And um, we have much more limber shoulder we have much more limber wrist, all that sort of thing. And a lot of that was in place by Australopithecus. So once they became bipedal, they gained a lot of these qualities. And then the question is, why do those qualities matter? Well, the, if you watch a chimpanzee throw, it's terrible at it. Even though they're stronger than you and I are, pound for pound, by a sizable margin, when they throw, they're inept, they can't aim very well, and they typically use two hands because they're not lined up well to throw. If you watch a really good thrower, like you know, a gridiron, a, a football player, a baseball player, or hunter-gatherer throw, you know, it's a full-body motion. You step forward with the other leg. There's this rotation. In the very last minute, you bring your wrist through. Well, what that does is it creates an enormous amount of elastic energy across your muscles, tendons, and ligaments. And the end of that throw for a human is like the snapping of a rubber band. So chimps can't do that. They're not lined up properly. But Australopithecus got to the point where they could probably do that pretty well. And so now, and that's purely a byproduct of bipedalism because it stretched out their whole body and they don't, they're not climbing as much anymore. So their musculature is more lateral, which would have been helped them for throwing. So now you get to a point where they have access to the single most important military invention in history, which is the capacity to kill at a distance. So if you and I are running around the savannah and a lion attacks us and we got 50 of our best friends, we could kill it with our bare hands, but a lot of us are going to die in the process, right? Because you think 50 of us could kill a lion? Let's make it 100. Somebody think even 100 of us could kill a lion? You know, with a bunch of knives and shit. If I was a lion, I'd be super confident to fuck up 100 people. You wouldn't worry very much, but but even if we could. So we knew what we're doing. We're all armed with knives. Whoever, Whoever goes in first is screwed. Right, right. And so... 
the capacity to kill at a distance, though, allows a larger force of weaker individuals to, comp- to easily defeat a stronger individual. Right. And so once they gain this capacity to throw, if they were attacked by lions or something like that, whereas in the past they'd have just scattered for the trees, now they could throw stones at it and defend themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, an Australopithecus throwing rocks at a lion is going to be in the belly of a slightly annoyed lion in about three minutes, right? Right. But 50 Australopithecines throwing rocks at lions is a totally different story. And so it's the, this is the, the idea here is the throwing hypothesis, that what, mm-hmm. what changed everything was throwing. And the reason it changed everything is that it caused us, it, it was the first reason why we should have any effective collective action. Because it's not a good strategy when you're on your own. It's not a good strategy if I do it and the rest of the group hits, heads for the trees. But it's a great strategy if we all do it together. Mm. And so for the first time in history, the group's goals in our history, in our line, the primate line, the group's goals aligned with the individual goals, which is let's cooperate and work together to try to drive away these predators. Mm. Now, it, if you look at a lion and you look at someone throwing rocks, it still seems like a really big ask, right? To, to drive that thing away or kill it throwing rocks. And so... But um, Barbara Isaac, who was one of the first anthropologists to propose this hypothesis quite a while ago, went back and looked through the historical record. And these are extraordinary stories of how effective people are throwing rocks. And so in, when um, the Portuguese went to the Canary Islands to try to subjugate it, they rock up with you know armor, guns, uh, crossbows. And this is in the like 14-something. And all the locals were armed with was stones. And despite the fact that the Portuguese are there in army, trained, you know, ready to shoot, and, and in their armor... They were just decimated by the locals throwing rocks at them. And this story has happened over and over again. And when you read these accounts, they're extraordinary. I can read you some examples from here. They just, the, it happened in Australia. It happened in the Canary Islands. It happened elsewhere. They just throw rocks incredibly accurately, incredibly hard, and really fast. Hmm. So, and there's, you know, accounts in Africa basically killing a zebra with one blow of a rock to the head. Hmm. So, like a... A pitcher, a major league pitcher, yeah, with exactly. a good rock, right. who, who gets very accurate at it. Yeah. So, do you think they they must have practiced constantly? Yeah. And so, what I suspect is that we evolved to like to throw rocks. And so, if I look wow. at if you look at my son as a for example, when he was eighteen months old, we would be walking back toward the house. If he saw a rock on the street, he'd pick it up and start trying to throw it. Mm. And my wife was like, "No, no, no, don't let him throw rocks. It's only going to cause trouble." First of all, I'm thinking, well, maybe he'll develop a good arm, so I'm going to go ahead and let him anyway. <laughs> but but secondly, he freaking wants to this is like something inherently fun right, for him. right and i think all humans enjoy throwing and it's it's stunning how good you can get it with practice so um we were at the ohio state fair this was before my son was born and i was walking by uh, one of these stalls where you can throw in a radar gun and so i thought oh here's i was just started to date my wife and i thought oh here's a perfect chance to impress her right and how how macho i am so i said hey why don't i stop and i'll throw some balls here in this net because i had never thrown i didn't know how fast i could so she's like sure and i was i played like little league right so i i throw the ball and it's like 50 miles an hour and and she's pretty impressed because that sounds fast right and then this like kid shows up next to me. He's got to be 12 years old, probably weighs 85 pounds, this total gangle, not a muscle in his body. And he just starts freaking throwing ball after ball at like 65 miles an hour. And I'm like, fuck. I mean, she's not going to be impressed with this like human <laughs> twig next to me. He's kicking my ass, right? And so I pick up the last ball. I freaking throw it as hard as I can. It hurts my shoulder, flies off at an odd angle, doesn't hit anything. And it's like 57 miles an hour. Now, that little guy, who's like literally the size of an Australopithecus, was throwing at 65 mm. and hitting the target every time. And so it's obvious that it's skill, it's practice that would have made you good at this. And if your life depends on it, 
you're going to do it. Well, that makes sense coming from a martial arts background, like like coordinated movement where at the end of it you snap. It exactly. just makes sense that this technique is so critical. Even yeah. though you're a larger person, someone with better technique could have more of an yeah. impact with yeah. that. So the throwing arm, I had read this. That was one of the hypotheses. There's a several hypotheses why the human brain doubled over a period of two million years. Another one was cooked meat, right? Yeah. That they figured out a way to yeah. get more nutrients out of meat by that's cooking right. it over fire. Right. So that's a little bit down the road. So here we are mm-hmm. three and a half million years ago. And so for the first time, we put some pressure on ourselves to have an advantage to be smarter. So imagine you're a zebra. You know, what the hell good is it to you to be Einstein? You got hooves. Right. What are you going to do with that brain, right? But it's a big, <laughs> it's a big cost. Our right. brains are 20% of our metabolic energy, whether we're doing math or watching TV. It's, right. it's constant drain. And so what are our ancestors? Why would they pay for that drain? Now, just recently, there was a paper that came out maybe three months ago now on um, a new brain expansion gene they found, or they think that's what it is called, NOTCH2NL. And it turns out, I don't know, 12, 15 million years ago, there was an accidental duplication of that gene on our genome. And it, but it was ineffective and it just sat there doing nothing. Now, that's a great way that evolution works, where it accidentally doubles a gene, because then you don't, you can mess with it, and the old gene's still doing the job, right? Mm-hmm. So it sat there for about 9 million years in our line, till about 3 million years ago, around Australopithecus, and then it duplicated itself and it came online again. And what that gene seems to do is it makes our brain remain as stem cells for longer, which means a lot more duplication before they run away and start becoming neurons. Mm-hmm. And so... If I had to guess, I'd say that that probably that gene coming online probably happened many times in the past. And every time it happened in the past, it was more cost than it was worth. And so what's the chimp going to do with a little bit more brain and just means more calories and what does he gain from it? But now that we're working together, now that we have collective action, all sorts of things open up. We could, we could devise division of labor. I'll say, hey, man, you do this and I'll do that. Because Australopithecus, they've got 70 more grams than a chimp. They can't do things like that. They can't all throw rocks at the same time. That's not rocket science. But all the kinds of things that came next probably were enabled by that process of us coming together and deciding to work together and cooperate. So if you look at chimpanzees, they don't cooperate very well. Um, for example, one of the activities where they sort of cooperate is when they hunt monkeys. And so they'll all gather around and they'll see some monkeys in the trees and they come in from every angle. It's not very coordinated. It's kind of a wild free-for-all. But what's interesting about it is that when the hunt's over, let's say you just sat there the whole time and watched, and I'm working my ass off chasing these monkeys. I got one. You come up and bug me for it. And I don't, I don't willingly handle it. You, like, keep nudging me till I share. But I'm just as likely to share with you if you helped as if you didn't. I don't make mm. any distinction. And you'll never establish effective groups if you can't reward those who participate compared to those who don't. Mm. Even little kids, four-year-old kids, when you give them games to play and they earn stickers, if you didn't play... You don't, when you come up and ask, you don't get any. You played, even if you didn't do your job right, but you tried, boom, you can have a sticker. So humans immediately get that, that you get rewarded for your activities as part of the group. Chimps don't seem to have that. That's fascinating. Ain't got no sword I got no army 
ain't got no land Ain't got nothing but the stone that's in my hand Stone in my hand Stone in my hand Ain't got nothing but the stone that's in my hand You say you want a revolution We'll get on board We'll start a new crusade, we'll start a holy war Don't need no order, don't need no plan I don't need nothing but the stones in my hand Stone in my hand, stone in my hand I don't need nothing but the stones in my hand Stone in my hand, stone in my hand You build your fighter jets, you drop your bombs, you kill our fathers, you kill our moms, kill our brothers and our sisters and our uncles and our aunts. Still I'm fighting with the stones in my head. Texting with any liars that they know. Any pathological, uh, sociopathic, manipulative liars. No, you can't name them, but you can give us an example of a story. I'm not asking like Kevin Slaymaker to text in and say, "Yeah, that Harpo Bongo's a right liar." (laughs) (laughs) I expect someone to phone in, uh, text in, and say, "Yeah, this bloke once told me." Imagine a story about a lie. Imagine we've told you the lie story. It's really good. I think, um, good. The, you know, we we lie. We obviously lie to ourselves a hell of a lot. Or do we lie to ourselves? Or yeah, I guess we obviously do. But do we also um, just kind of smooth over the cracks and not think about certain things? You kind of bury certain aspects of of your psyche and your personality um, to enable you to keep a certain safe face or to or to you know What's put a brave face on it all those sorts of terms where you're beneath 
in a world of pain, but you're just trying to kind of keep you keep it hold it together on the outside. In the, in the dinghy of doom. But obviously, again, that's where the lies aren't vindictive. Sometimes, you know, I know I certainly, <clears throat> I know I certainly, I certainly kind of find it quick and easy to tell a lie just to. Yeah, I'll deal with that later. I feel really guilty with lies. Like, if I if I'm gonna say one, I try not to. Always, I feel like I'm breaking something. Like something snapping in the universe. Like, oh shit, I broke the universe. Yeah, I'm th- more talking about it to avoid argument and conflict. There are times when I just think, ah, oh, this it's better that I just that at this yeah. point I can sort it out afterwards. I can say, yeah, yeah, that's all sorted, and I'll sort it out afterwards. And it's, we- <laughs> it's whether I sort it just out keep afterwards. Saying or that. Not. saying it. Yeah, yeah, no, I've, yeah, I've done it. I've done it. I'll sort it out afterwards. Yeah, and you don't do it. That's where. That's where. And I'm very, very guilty of that. I find the pain of the the guilt too much. I just I have to. No, it rolls off the tongue for me, and I will quite happily because I don't have any belief in the magic whatsoever. I will swear on your life. Look, my wife will say it to me all the time. Swear on my life. I swear on your life. I'll never do that. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to do she that. Hasn't died yet, and at some point she's going to die, and there might be a chance that. A week before she dies, I will say, I swear on your life, and I will have no worries whatsoever that there is any link whatsoever to the fact that I swore on her life. Unless she somehow is so upset by it that she... It it changes... No, no, no. It changes the way she is, so she's... I don't know, she's a bit kind of... Takes her eye off the ball one day and gets run over by a bus because because it was in the back of her mind, maybe. That's romance. And this is the chance she's taken it, I suppose. Yeah. On life, when you're swearing on people's lives, yeah, at least tied that off. Doesn't bother me. Well, some religious freak. It was swearing the Bible, wasn't it? I'm sure at some point, swearing, swearing the presence of God that you did not have sexual intercourse with that woman. (laughs) 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 That's what you say every time you wake up (laughs) in a nightmare. Oh, I don't know. That's the lie you're keeping. It's <laughs> suppressed. Yeah. So, so our, our now confession hours over. What about so lies to yourself then? Lies to yourself, not lies to other people. When you know, when, when you lie to yourself, saying everything will be all right. <laughs> yeah, it'll it? work itself out what one way or another. <laughs> yeah, but that's a pretty, you know, that's tame. We won't uh, have to look at our child's faces when we have to say no. <laughs> you can't go on the school trip. But to a degree, because of the veneer we put outside, you know, there is a certain element element of keeping up appearances of what you expect of yourself and what you expect other people to expect of you. I'm quite... There good. are aspects, there are times when you, you, you are subconsciously or consciously, but, you know, it's buried enough being disingenuous by acting in a certain way because you know you're either manipulating a situation to you know so that oh yeah well I might be back in time to pick up the kids but if not you might have to do it you know there's times when you definitely hold back on certain things you know what I mean oh I probably I'm going to probably be working so hard today that I won't have the chance to do that that thing where yeah you're both like giving the information that say your child is picking up you're showing you're both being careful about what cards you're showing Who's going to break first? Yeah, and when uh, I'm sure she will phone you up at some point and say, "So, um, I'll start with a question because it's uh, loaded." What it's time like, the boys? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> exactly. And then you go, oh, uh, I know what she's doing here. No, I've got to say, you've got to do it. So then I can't do that because that looks bad on me, even though I want that to happen. Yeah. And there are times when you go, oh, she's done me. That's a good one there. Like times when you've, you know, you know you've been well and truly had. Like someone knocks on the front door. Who's going to get up and off? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it is. That's the the it timer is. goes off on the buzzer. It's even a game, isn't it? Yeah. But are we doing that? Are we doing that to um, amuse ourselves? To uh, keep a I don't know. Keep our whistles in the line. That's see. That's been a real problem for me recently. What is? Um. Well, because I've been mental. With ideas, <laughs> I've been going to work doing this mindless job and coming home and just getting on it straight away. And I've been doing it for a lo- prolonged period, and I've just come out the other side of it now, where I'm, you know, I realised I was being a real selfish. Or you maybe just had to just get all that done so you got up to a standard. Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, it was it, I've just put, put myself for an intensive kind of like period of might time. Be ammunition for. If change did happen, you could take the chance because you've done all that stuff. So if an opportunity came, yeah. Well, that's the point. It's the massive balance between. No um, one was really harmed, were they? As a, as a no, no, no one was harmed apart from the interactions that I've missed out on with my kids. Where, to be fair, and this is kind of the point, they're always around. You get to a point in your life, yeah, they are, and, that, and there is a bit of me that believes that you can keep a photograph, but also it does get to a point sometimes when you find that quite often. You're in the kitchen, we're on the laptop, or I'm on the kitchen on the laptop, Louise is in the lounge watching Netflix, one daughter's up in the bedroom on a computer, the other one's on, on an iPad sometimes, and I've let that go on for quite a while. But also... To the, point, to the point where it came to a head, and it had to be sorted, and we have and we have made a bit more of a conscious effort, and it's still, you know, still could but do a little bit more. Think about the memory of her walking in the kitchen and seeing you being creative. Like when she's older, thinking about, oh yeah, we used to be in yeah. the kitchen playing Still guitar. never made any money out of it. I used to love that. It's so good. But the reality of the time, she's like, shut up, Dad. Yeah. But yeah, fond memories blossom. Well, yeah. But anyway. The, so the yeah, you could be implanted as well by symbiosis, her to become creative and have the same amount of um, drive to do stuff because it'd be natural. She's seen it around her. It's mm. like a go to already there for her to, if she wants to be a musician, just to pick it up. So even though you're selfish, you're actually teaching. Well, yeah. Uh, I, 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 there are aspects of um, nature in there where, you know, my dad's relationship with his granddad was um, kind of like very very kind of like... Because they had a kind of working relationship with each other as well. It was very kind of, you know... There was a lot of respect there and there was a lot of love there, but it was very man against man and, <coughs> like, you know... Just very traditional style. He was quite—I uh, should imagine what his dad was like. Do you know what I mean? It's been a—it's been a constant kind of dilution of that level of like, I'm the dad, you're the son. Do you know what I mean? To yeah. the point where now, where you know, I have a—I have a good relationship with my dad, and I've got a, probably a a similar relationship. I, do you know what though? I don't know if it, I don't think it's—I don't think it's—it's it's just different because I—I do. We're a soft generation. I really put myself no. Hang on, I, d- I do I do have a lot of guilt for the lack of interactions I have with my kids. On a re- I don't, it's not regular enough. I hear other people talk about the relationship they have with their kids, and I'm, and I don't like going. Oh, look at them! They seem like they're doing so good, or they're so happy, or they've got it. You know, they've got it sus because everyone's winging it. But I definitely do feel like you know I need to at least have 
two twice a week where it's kind of without a set regime but there's even just if not enough you time. like both sat together and found a YouTube channel you both liked I've started doing that with Eliza actually she's just started discovering um, stand up and although she's 12 you know there's no question the things she's going to be seeing at school on YouTube and stuff like that and the chats that they're going to be having at this stage yeah. is now going to be regardless of whether I think it's suitable for her to watch an 18 video. You've got access to everything. The kids are so desensitised now that at the age of 12, there's no point in me sitting down and getting uncomfortable because Kevin Hart just said an F word on the stand-up. Because it's funny and, you know... It's amazing how it's all sort of slipped when we were little. It's like... Well, again, it's been talking about that earlier. It's been a constant... Sorry, I won't cut you, but it it is a constant dilution. Yeah. Because it's, you go from the strict, almost kind of Bible, God-fearing regime, slowly but surely, you know, people are getting less and less, you know, the, out, the generation before us, church on a Sunday, wearing your Sunday best, or sorry, maybe, you know, two or three, gen- you know, two, gen- like our parents' age, my grand- my dad remembers at the age of sort of four or five, having to dress up on a Sunday, nowhere being open, Yeah, it was, at, you know, sitting indoors, it's the Lord's Day. It's changed quite a lot. And the generation years. we're at now, supermarkets are open virtually. Well, they're open on a Sunday, regardless. Yeah, our behaviour's going to change massively, isn't it? We're living in a, in a world that's so not going to exist. Like, it's not going to be recognisable. You can sort of see the shift in generations really quickly now. And the worlds that they're living in—it's not just—it's not just them that change. And their environment is rapidly morphing into something completely different. Technological world. This rock we've picked up in our hands. This tool that where you could kill a lion with ten blokes with rocks. Now you can bring someone down with tweets and retweets. You know, they're rocks now of of, of words that are on Twitter. You know, the phone has given us that hurling tool. It's another way to bring down mammoths, if you think that's what you need to do. But it's corrupted and it's can be used terribly. You know, we're not because it's not life and death, we don't have to be trained hunters to throw these stones, these Twitter words. We don't have to really har- harness what we're saying and really what the impact might be I mean it's all about impact when you're throwing stones it's all about the impact where it hits is it effective and mostly these these Twitter rocks from these mobile phones that we've picked up they're not effective and they're not thought out they're not well aimed that's the trouble we're losing our sharpness and our I don't know our ability to be as skillful I think if we're not careful
Right now, uh, yeah, rocks, 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 throwing rocks. Everyone likes throwing rocks, don't they? Not being a rock. The I can really, I can really get down with that idea that our body is built for chucking a rock. Um, when I was younger, I was doing martial arts. One of the things he said, I remember saying about like it's like you're throwing a rock when you throw a punch. It's like that loose, that snap at the end, and you're perfectly alive for it. And that's what a kind of fighter uses is that whip, that whipping action, that throwing action. To you throw a punch, you literally do throw a punch, you throw a kick, don't you? And yeah, we're built. We're, that's us. That's our martial art. Is a rock throwing creature. It's kind of lost its way a bit. It's got not not got the sharpness of running and. Ability to jump and turn and aim, and you know, but within us is that creature that that articulate of motion, that real hunter. What's fascinating about that is like the you know, 
when you've you've still got obviously indigenous tribes that exist now, you know, things like the uh, the Aboriginals and some of the Amazonian tribes. Some of them still live that life. The Native Americans they still, you know, live that simple primitive style of life. And you know, people talk about them not being advanced, and yet the sixth sense that they have with the land and the the you'll see how advanced they are if you got stuck there and. You had to rely on your wits to. Eat. Oh God, yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd be, be out with them, learning everything. Going, bloody hell, you're so clever. Oh, you saved my life. You know everything about how to live out here. And it's the, the, that that level of, you know, you imagine. So imagine, imagine a tribe now, right? That that still hunts for its food, and you know they use handmade weapons, spears, and so on and so forth. You think of the Harlem Globetrotters or the Real Madrid or the Barcelona of hunters that exist in tribes. You yeah. know where they're so Brilliant. incredibly amazing. They are absolute. They are. It's beautiful to watch, and it's and it's so precise, and it's so constant, and it's so regular results, and and as as efficiently as possible. Yeah, track. Imagine that. Imagine like watching, being able to witness that pure. Knowing the contours of the ground as you're running at a certain speed, timing it right, you know, um, you know, throwing the, the weapon at the, exactly the right time. I mean, just overall that. Within the, your genetics, the thousands of those people and, have and, done that. And they exist now. There is the, the best hunters within a tribe, second to none, exist. Imagine how good they are. Yeah. We, never get, to, we, we never get to see that. Or feel like it, feel it. Why do it feels like being that good? Well, you know, we can we can assume what it feels like in the modern world because we just look at Barcelona. But in that world, because you live in your body, right? If you if it's correct, if older, well done, it becomes achy painy and looser and you know, less fast. But if you're living that articulated lifestyle where it's all movement, strength, and you're a complete physical person. Your body's going to feel great, which means your mind's going to feel even better, which means you're going to be sort of some superhuman that we're never going to know what it feels like. We're sort of static, stagnating sometimes. And uh, it shows in our body. But, yeah.
You know something about eyes, eyes. Why humans have like the white eyes? Go on, the colour in the middle. Uh, chimps, they'll have a brown eye. <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate brown eye. Uh. And, uh, they because chimps, unlike us, don't really cooperate. They do little hunts together, but that's it. And uh, they don't want you to see where they're looking. So if they spot something that they can get, they don't want anyone else seeing their eye line. But humans, we need to show people. One of the first forms of communication was the way people looked. So if one person saw something, you could look in a direction and you could follow where his eye was looking at very easily and you'd all concentrate your gaze where he's looking. That's uh, part of the evolution (coughs) of the eye, how it helps us. So having that colour set up gave us the ability to do that. Made us friendly. God, made us get on. What, because we had eyes? We had eyes that could become words, like mouths. Lips are like mouths, aren't they? Mouths that have got a massive egg in it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just say egg, in it? Egg in it. Egg it up. I'm egging it down. I've got to see something very cool egging today. It all over Egg Town. I've got to see something very cool today. Good. I've got to go to a disused station that. It's being reused, so it's not disused. It's being used for something that it so wasn't designed for. So it's not being disused then, is it? No. It's, it's designed. It's been reused. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, they've got posters on the, They're kind of like an office bit Wait, Explain what it is first It's an uh, old, disused, reused <coughs> Tube station, London Underground station uh, Aldwych and the Strand It's kind of like a combined station That changed its name But it closed in 1994 Because of a ghost And it's very much um, a time capsule of so its day Explain the ghost story what, Why it got closed because of the ghost No, there's no ghost story It used to be known as the theatre station Although well, that's not what it was called But a lot of people referred to it Because it was right by the theatre oh. And they used to have a cloakroom I got a real wicked uh, A great um, tour from like the bloke Who sort of spends a lot of time with, like a maintenance guy He was telling me all about it I was fascinated by it they, the only reason he couldn't take me on a full tour was because the army were going to be Liar. were due to come in. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, I know. It sounds like total lies. The army were due to come in at three o'clock, and he needed to be at the front door so he could let him in. Should you be telling the world this? It's going to be secret. Yeah. They use it a lot anyway. What for? I probably shouldn't say. Uh, yeah, you know, just exercises uh, like emergency. So you know, what are they expecting? There's a major emergency. Uh, I wouldn't be so paranoid. I just think he gets used a lot. I did, to be fair, I did ask that because you never. You remember the remember the whole thing about. Let's not be. We don't want to go too conspiracy now. But do you remember the whole thing about seven seven and the week before? Oh, lucky numbers. They did a. <laughs> no, they did a. Um, they did a like. A, a drill oh, right. of, a, of a major incident at Bank Station closed the whole of the city off during the weekend on a weekend and they had you know they had the army the police that well they had armed response and bomb disposal and ambulances oh, all working on a mock disaster and a week later the 7-7 so Bloody you know hell. obviously conspiracy theorists are going to link the t- uh, theorists are going to link the two and there's all sorts of theories on it but 
um, so when I found out about that I was like oh is this another one of them you know but then I, I made a point of asking him do they, use, no. do they use this place a lot he said no he said they use it all the time pen, they, they, said the, they, the different ones you know the, the ambulances will come down or the fire brigade will use it or the army will use it so they got their practiced they take a hundred and they take us they take a mock 750 pound bomb down there and have to dispose of it I should imagine that's um, getting cheaper at B&Q that's more from the point of view of uh, unexploded second world war bombs cause real ones I shouldn't imagine what if you take a real one too many jihadis are going to be carrying a 750 pound bomb in a rucksack uh, sledge but yeah anyway so it was fascinating the guy was telling me a little bit about so the history creepy of the, the fi- like oh yeah I, I wish I'd have gone down gone down he did say to me next time you're here come about 45 minutes earlier and I'll take you properly around he's a really lovely fella and I was like in my element especially when he said the army are coming here to do some training exercises I was just like oh, oh did you think for a minute that you had to train them no but I did ask if I could stay <coughs> but he did say that they're obviously quite secretive about the way they do things yeah. and whatever so which is a shame. So luckily, nobody's talking about it on the radio right now. Yeah. Or posting it on Facebook. Oh. No, no details, but apart from where it is. <laughs> <laughs> what time? <laughs> Three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently they go all different times. <laughs> yeah. Randomly, nobody ever huh. knows. I like the way you disguised it as a... You put a pretend name. It's anyway, a real one. That was a lie, see? Yeah. Ah. Ah. All of that was a lie because it shows about honesty. And I just lied. When, 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 when? Didn't really. It was good. Um. So we've got thirteen minutes left. This coffee's wearing off. Mm. I definitely don't want any more. I've got to go to bed. True. What have you got in the tank, Daniel? Do you remember, like, when you come out of cinemas sometimes and you feel like a different person? Like yeah. You're partly the actor. Um. Yeah, I get it more. I used to get it more. I remember that a lot when I used to hire videos around my nans. Go and stay around there, and I used to be able to go to the local shop, and she'd let me hire out a video. Which one? Whatever was out at the time. A good film, that. Predator. Remember watching that around my nans for the first time. Um, what else? Loads. Kickboxer. What a great film. I used to love that film. Yeah. Rocky. Oh no, Rocky Four went to the pictures with my uncles for that. But um, yeah, a lot of those films when you when you you walk out and you go over the shop to get some sweets. This is specifically my memory of being at my ends, and you just feel like you've just you were in that film, and you still feel like the character, and you're slightly disappointed that you're not. I remember when I think it's like I think you were probably just moved in next door, and I had this virus that lasts about six days, and I couldn't eat, and I hardly drunk, and I remember like the last day that my hands curled up. <laughs> And like, I started like feel like I was coming out of my body. He's horrible. Turned into like a shriveled me. And uh, why am I talking about me being the shriveled man? <laughs> shriveled. Oh yeah. And then like I remember like 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 liking things on Facebook. Liking things on Facebook. <laughs> no, I remember just getting barely like alive enough to start eating again. And then I watched one of the Rocky films. And then put my tracksuit bottoms on and my trainers and I went out and ran up the road for a little bit <laughs> well what I used to do oh, I went one further than that so I saw Rocky 4 at the pictures of my uncle London, London but then I did used to go and rent it out occasionally when I went to my nens and 
there was a local barber's around the corner and we used to go there to get our haircuts. <laughs> and uh, there was a picture of Dolph Lundgren was one of the pictures on the wall oh. and he had the rocky... Haircut. Yeah, it was a bit more of a wet look but I always used to go in there and pick that. And so I'd get the wet look when I left the barber's and then by the time I got home I'd brush it out so that I'd have the old Dolph Lundgren spiked hair. Nice. And I used to get a cucumber because he had in the, in Rocky Four he had the black... When he fought Rocky he had the black... Um, Gum shield, yeah. You know? And uh, so I used to get a bit of cucumber, and so I'd have like the, it was a dark gum it's shield. Clever. It's cool, man. I used to wear my shorts. He's be standing there, <laughs> g- giving the old um, Did you fight? The boxing poses, like pillars and beds and <laughs> things like that. Them were the days. You they should, were. The you days. keep doing that. I reckon. Yeah, it'd be good. That could be your green screen show. What be it? Billy, Billy Balboa. <laughs> I'd have to, I could do the I could do the making of where I'm training <laughs> to get anywhere be, near. Greg's could be Mickey. Yeah, Come on, Mick. Rocky. <laughs> yeah. Who are you going to be then, Balboa? I'm going to be Apollo, Apollo Creed. Creed. <laughs> Can I just be James Brown? No. I live in America. No, you don't. <laughs> You've never been there. Is James Brown dead? Is he dead? James Brown. Is he dead? Yes. Died on Boxing Day. That's weird. Talk about boxing. James Brown died Boxing Day. The universe is creating a spiral stemplatics template. Everyone beware. You're about to go through the vortex of your own dreams and come out the best thing you've ever seen. Ever. In the whole wide world. Knock. This is Alice in Chains. Help me. Let me out. With Nutshell. track for I was going to go just in before the vocal. Here it comes, definitely this time. This is Nutshell, Alice in Chains. Still hasn't come in. Come on, Nutshell. But it's definitely Nut coming shell. It's quite a long intro. This is Alice in Chains. Chains, Chains. With Nutshell. Face the battle. 